Hi, I'm Brad Rex, the former vice president for Disney's Epcot theme park, and you're listening to the Coaster Challenge podcast. Hi there, I'm Lee Cockrell. I'm the former executive vice president of Walt Disney World, and Mickey Mouse was my boss. And you're listening to the Coaster Challenge podcast. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Coaster Challenge Podcast is here. It's time to face your fears. Get that theme park therapy and lend us both your Coaster ears. Challenge Podcast is here. Your fear can disappear. We know that theme park therapy can drive all your tears. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? Yes, I accept the Coaster Challenge. Do you accept the Coaster Challenge? We accept because you know we're not average. You're listening to the Coaster Challenge Podcast. A journey where people become fearful to fearless, all from riding roller coasters. So please secure your hats and glasses and keep your hands and arms inside the podcast. It's time to accept the Coaster Challenge with your host, David Cantu and Jenna Gassell. Hey, how's it going, Jenna? How's it going, Dave? It's going good, going good. Happy Friday. What day are we on again? It is <laughs> April 15th. I, I'm losing track of days again. I, I can't do this. I keep losing track of days. Yeah, well, spring break is uh, around the corner. fact, for all those, welcome to our season two, guys. Season two of Coaster Challenge, and we're kicking it off this spring. And with spring, we've got a new coaster season. But along with a new coaster season, we've got a huge lineup of guests for all you guys here this season. I hope you guys keep your hands and arms inside the podcast because we are going to be going in for one heck of a ride this season because we've got so many guests already lined up and we've got a really big one for you all today right Jen? Yep. So to kick off season two we are going to kick off with a very very special guest in the house today. We've got Andrew is with Jake Kilcup from Rocky Mountain Construction. He is the chief operating officer of the organization and Jake has got one heck of a story to share with all you guys about how he started working for Rocky Mountain Construction and just how much he loves his job and how much he just loves working for this company and and recently he was down in Florida back in March for the opening of Iron Gwazi over at Bush Gardens Tampa. Oh man. I don't they have aren't we having like a couple of coasters opening up this year in our own parks? Oh yeah. I mean Rocky Mountain Construction uh, is currently building Wonder Woman over at Six Flags Magic Mountain that is the single rail coaster they have one called Jersey Devil over at Six Flags Great Adventure. They have them Railblazer over at California's Great America and Wonder Woman also at Six Flags Fiesta, Texas. Wonder Woman is about as big as uh, Jersey Devil. It looks like, and finally, we're going to have a single rail coaster from Rocky Mountain Construction right here in the West Coast. Oh, that'll be a first. Yeah. You know who's going to want to go on that one. Now, for all those that don't know who Rocky Mountain Construction is, uh, if you've been to, especially here in Southern California, if you've been to any of the local parks here, the one coaster that stands out with Rocky Mountain Construction here in Southern California is Twisted Colossus over at Six Flags Magic Mountain. They've also done Steel Vengeance over at Cedar Point. 
They've done The Joker over at Six Flags Discovery Kingdom, Iron Rattler over at Six Flags Fiesta Texas, New Texas Giant over in Six Flags Over Texas. There is about an RMC coaster just slowly getting at every park. You know, you got everything from Twisted Timbers over at King's Dominion, Storm Chaser over at Kentucky Kingdom, got uh, Lightning Rod over at Dollywood, you've got Outlaw Run over at Silver Dollar City. Man, if you think about it, almost every park has slowly been getting a, an RMC coaster. Yeah, but the recent RMC that has opened is Iron Quasi over at Bush Gardens Tampa, and I hear this is a really, really fun coaster. So I hope all you guys are ready to, if you haven't been down to Florida, this would be the best season to get down there to check out that new coaster from Rocky Mountain Construction. But anyway, guys, what is Rocky Mountain Construction for all those listeners that are not into the coaster community? Well, we've got here a little story from the person who had founded Rocky Mountain Construction, uh, Fred Grubb, did an incredible story video uh, that you can find on RockyMountainConstruction.com. It's on the About page, but uh, if you guys like to hear, it's just an incredible story, so take a listen. Well, I got into the, I grew up uh, welding when I was a young kid. Uh, started when I was 13, 14 years old, welding aluminum pipe collars on irrigation pipe. Uh, the Where we grew up, you had to do a little bit of everything and you started work at an early age. Also at a young age, uh, we uh, had to raise hay, stack hay, uh, contracted hay fields to uh, do this. Um, at in our hometown, you had to do a little bit of everything to make to make stuff happen, to make a living. I love the challenge of this work. I love the challenge of our company. Uh, there are so many challenges within it. That's one thing I do love is the creativity. I, I love to create, always have. Um, building roller coasters, we get to create things that have not been done before. It's, it's very exciting. Coming to work every day here is, uh, it's, it's a blessing. Uh, all of our employees that we have, uh, all the young men, they're very proud to do this work. Uh, they're very excited to do it. They, they realize the importance of their work. Uh, they, they are very conscientious, and they have to be, because uh, obviously we're working, they're working on roller coasters. Um, we realize that, uh, I always think of uh, our people uh, not as employees, but as assets, and I do. I think of them as assets, not employees. So, uh, so it takes a very special person to work here, but uh, when we do find them, they stick with us and, and they love their job. I'm proud to have them as part of our team because they, they are a huge part of what we do. They take a lot of pride in what they do. They, uh, they put forth a huge amount of effort to make things work for us. So I uh, thought that uh, there had to be a way to develop new track. Um, it was 
we spent a long time in development. It was very, very hard. And uh, there, there was a point when I did not know, uh, none of us knew if we could do it or not. Developing this track, uh, the first thing you have to have is a great designer and a great engineer. And uh, in Alan Schilke, we have what we feel is one of the best, if not the best, engineer. And he's also very creative. And he loves the challenge of all of this. And uh, we've worked together. Uh, we've created a great team uh, between us to be able to uh, do this and, and pull this off. So we're, we're very happy with what we've done and uh, we're very proud of it also. All right, so Andrew is standing by with Jake from RMC. This is an incredible story, guys. I hope you enjoy it, so take it away, Andrew. Thank you, David and Jenna. This is Andrew, one of the producers of the Coaster Challenge podcast with you today. In the coaster enthusiast community, enthusiasts talk about all sorts of different favorites, superlatives favorite coasters, favorite parts, favorite elements, etc. One other type of favorite that is frequently discussed within the community is coaster manufacturers. Here in 2022, there are several coaster manufacturers that frequently top Thuzi favorite lists. Over the past 10 years, one such company has raised the bar for what it means to design and build a top tier coaster to the light of enthusiasts around the world. The Coaster Challenge podcast is proud to welcome Chief Operating Officer of Rocky Mountain Construction, Jake Kilka. Welcome to the podcast, Jake. Hey, glad to, glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Absolutely. And it's kind of funny, you know, I just did that intro for you there. I am not exaggerating. Literally, you know, I don't know how much you get on Instagram. I love Instagram because it's got, it's got a great coaster enthusiast community. It's very, very, very um, thriving on there, if you will, versus say Facebook and Twitter and other social media. But it also has a lot more positivity. You tend to have less arguments and things like that, just the way Instagram is set up. And I just love it. And I, one of the things I love about Instagram is the stories is the polls and the, you know, the top tens and, you know, people posting things and sharing things. And I am not kidding uh, with that intro there. I literally just had a friend post and send me like the blank form so I can fill it out myself. The top 10 coaster manufacturers, each, you know, whatever you think each person thinks, you know, and RMC definitely is in my top 10, very high up in there. It's kind of funny talking about that in the intro and then seeing that on, on Instagram. But again, welcome. And to start off with, of course, you know, a lot of our audience enthusiasts in general, they know who you are and your story, especially thanks to uh, Coaster Studios' awesome doc documentary, uh, This Is How We Roll. But just, you know, in case there's a few audience members that don't know who you are, tell us about yourself and your experience working within the industry. So I got my start with the amusement industry, probably a little bit different than most uh, most people in my position. I, I didn't seek it out. You know, there's, there's quite a bit in the community that are, you know, designing a lot of their lives about... Uh, uh, what they have to do to get in inside the amusement industry and uh, i was always a fan of roller coasters growing up big pretty big into extreme sports skiing snowboarding wakeboarding mountain biking stuff like that so i always enjoyed the adrenaline rush that you get at theme parks but i just i you know i hadn't thought about it as a career path all my life was uh you know i like to draw and uh design things so i went to school to be an architect got my master's degree i graduated jobs were not uh, really available in the building industry country was was down at the time and I ended 
ended up getting, you know, the, the first job that I could get, which was uh, at Office Max. I happened to be in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, just because I had gone to college at the University of Idaho, so it wasn't too far away. And my wife and I decided we were gonna we we're gonna give Coeur d'Alene a shot because had a potential lead there for, uh, with a local firm that I had done an internship for. And I was at Office Max for probably about three months. I met uh, Amy Garcia a few times. Uh, she came in buying equipment for local small business. One day she mentioned she was looking to get a computer that could run AutoCAD specifically. And that piqued my interest and asked her a little bit about it. Ended up with a job interview with Fred that afternoon and got hired on by Rocky Mountain. This was, they had just, uh, they just sold the project to uh, Six Flags over Texas, the new Texas giant, but they hadn't produced any track or really even gotten into the how, you know, they kind of sold an idea, sold a, a potential. Six Flags saw the potential, agreed with them and said, let's do this. And that, that started the rapid growth of RNC. At the time, there was a you know, small handful of us. It was mostly construction workers. Uh, Fred did a lot of installations for other ride manufacturers as well as uh, water park. It was a little bit more of a construction-based company and started to uh, grow up into a little bit of a design company. And now, you know, we're pretty full-fledged on uh, design, manufacture, install. Turnkey systems is kind of really what we like to push. And so that's how I ended up in the industry, which is uh, pretty random, honestly. Things happen for a reason. I'm pretty excited to be where I'm at. Definitely don't take it for granted. I've enjoyed my time working with, you know, Fred Grubb, Alan Schilke, and, you know, getting to know some people and some incredible people in this industry and learn, uh, being able to learn from these people. You know, I, I started by uh, uh, really communicating with Alan Schilke daily for mm. 10, 10 plus years. I think in the beginning, I probably didn't really understand what that meant, how uh, great of an opportunity that was to learn from those two, because you know, Alan's got such a unique mind and uh, oh, he's such a trailblazer when it comes to the amusement industry. And then Fred is the type of guy that won't say no when he can build anything and both very <laughs> Very creative people, but from different backgrounds and pretty lucky and blessed to be able to work with those two individuals, work under those two individuals for 10 plus years, try to soak up as much as I could from them. But uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's basically my backstory of how I got into the amusement industry. I don't regret a thing. So that's that, that's a fantastic story, and I heard a I remember hearing a lot of, of that story being as part of this is how we roll, and then your part you were a big part of that documentary, understandably. But you know, thanks for sharing those those details, and I love that story for a couple reasons. One, it's the American dream, which is awesome and positive, and that is such a fantastic story, and you should be really proud. And it's just it's a great story. So what we're going to do next here is we'll we'll talk more later about your work at RMC and. Some of the things you guys have got going on and, and whatnot, we'll, we'll have some fun with that. But before we get to that, you mentioned that you have always been interested in coasters. So tell me, what was the first coaster you remember ever experiencing yourself, ever riding? So I put a little thought into this because I, I don't think I... I don't think I can pinpoint the exact first coaster I rode. Uh, I grew up get. in, yeah, uh, yeah I, I grew up in uh, Gig Harbor, Washington, which is a uh, near Seattle. Um, oh, yeah. And yeah. we had a small park there called Enchanted Village, and, and that yep. was by Wild Waves. I'm sure that uh, whatever the first coaster I rode was at that park. I guess the coaster that I really kind of remember experiencing would probably be uh, Viper at uh, Six Flags Magic Mountain. I remember going 
to Magic Mountain, I want to say it was on Christmas Eve or something. The, the park was absolutely empty. The weather wasn't great. Oh, wow. There was no lines for anything. So I, I remember just riding Viper like 10 times in a row, just running around, going back into the station, doing it again and again and again. And how much fun it is when you just have free reign of the place like that. You can just jump on anything and everything they got and just keep rolling. So yeah, that yeah. is probably probably an old arrow. That, that makes sense. Yeah, the Arrow Viper at Magic Mountain, that's a classic Arrow Mega Looper built back in the late 80s, back when so many of those were built. And classic steel inverting coaster, absolutely. I've been in that many times myself. So how, how old were you, say, you were roughly when you rode Viper at Magic Mountain? Uh, I was probably 13, 12 somewhere around there so it was uh, a little older but I, I remember growing up you know we we didn't ever travel specifically to amusement parks but we if we were adjacent to one we would always we'd want to go you know I had, I had two younger brothers older sister everybody kind of really enjoyed that sort of thing we'd always push our parents as much as we could to try to <laughs> try to get a take us to, to all the theme parks we spent yeah we I, i'd been to disneyland several times universal studios hollywood several times knott's Berry farm magic mountain kind of done the whole tour down there multiple times and every time we were in southern california we definitely try to hit up a park here there nice so 12 13 years old riding you know back then riding a coaster like viper i mean that's a pretty big coaster for uh, you know an early teens would you say that you had that sort of taste for thrills when you were even young when you were a kid yeah i i would but i definitely didn't it wasn't from day one i i definitely had some fear in me to start it <laughs> took getting the courage up to get on that first one feel the thrill and realize i want more of that you know why am i afraid to jump on these things but in the beginning i mean, I, I also have a memory of being younger than that and the whole family's getting in line for the matterhorn and and I was crying. I did not want to get on it. My parents <laughs> let me wait and, and I didn't ride it. So I did. I definitely know it wasn't day one jump on everything and anything. Got it I was, uh, you know, it took, took some uh, took some courage to overcome. Uh, yeah, of course. That totally makes sense. Well, speaking of courage, let's talk about kind of the, the journey you've gone through in your life. Now, it might have been, you know, when you're very young, like you're talking about there, or it might have been since then, because certainly when, you know, as little kids, you know, our first coasters and big coasters, yeah, we go through a facing fear. But then there's sort of that next level when we get into like later teen and adults where, you know, these bigger coasters and, you know, and you know, you and I are both engineering type people and engineering and computer-aided design and, and just everything and just the, the competition amongst coaster manufacturers and art has driven amazing developments in coasters over the past 10, 20 years. And so they keep you know, building bigger, faster, more inversions, more intense. Of course, one of the big things now is, is certainly with RMC is, you know, only having lap bars and not having any kind of over-the-shoulder restraints. So you're more free and that, that can be daunting for people as well. So there's all sorts of factors that come in here. Mm -hmm. But so we have that sort of, sort of that second big phase of facing fear of all the coasters you've ridden in your life which is the one that you would say scared you the most to ride before you got on it uh that's a little bit of a tough one because i'm definitely jaded now you know I, uh... <laughs> <laughs> well well let me put it to you this I, way I, I, so okay so you know you started with rmc very early on obviously um, you know i'm sure you've ridden pretty much all maybe not all but most if not all of rmc coasters and you know there's some pretty intense ones in your catalog was there maybe one of rmc's where it was a big step up from previously what you guys had done where it was fearful for you and a big a big jump for you maybe that no not really i guess maybe if i, if I go back uh, a, a little bit further basically when i had first started with rmc my first time i going out on the road i went to a site visit of new texas giant construction so naturally i took a day to mess around in the park because i was there sure. over a weekend and i hadn't you know i had ridden whatever was at magic mountain at the time or you know some right. of the parks that i had been to not very farm but you know things like excel 
operator, you know, weren't there when I had gone. So Titan probably at Six Flags Over Texas was uh, probably my first step into a, a pretty large coaster. Heavy, heavy G-forces, you know, things like things like that. I wouldn't say it was Gary, but it definitely was one of the last times I remember having that feeling of, of anticipation a little bit more. Uh, so that's sort <laughs> you know, of I like, don't, yeah. I don't get not... that falling sensation anymore. And <laughs> Right, right. So yeah, so I, and I think we're on the same wavelength here, but you know, I'm not necessarily talking about like being super afraid to get on the ride, but maybe the last time you felt any sort of like jitters, anxiety before getting yeah. Uh, like being a little nervous about getting on the ride. So was, was Titan kind of the last time you remember feeling that? Yeah, really. I think it was. I think it was, you know, as soon as you, as soon as you hit a couple of them, especially if you do them back to back to back, you really, your, your body builds up a tolerance pretty quick and so does your mind. Yep. So it, it kind Absolutely. of robs you of that adrenaline's a, adrenaline's a drug. It's, uh, you're, you're always chasing that high that you, uh, that you used to get, but your body gets used to it a little bit. So right, you right. You lose that anxiety, that anticipation. And like I said, I don't, I don't get the falling sensation anymore. I've always, I, that's a, that's a feeling that I, I like to get. I'll ride drop towers and not really feel it anymore. Kind of sad. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so I, I get what you're saying though, about as we break these fears where you don't, you don't get all that intensity, that, that nervousness and, and that kicking into the adrenaline rush. But I do believe that, you know, getting the science of it or whatnot, but you still get the positive endorphins and you still get some of that positive mm-hmm. benefit from riding these, riding these rides, even if you've been on them many, many times, but I get it. There's, yeah. there's that, you don't have that quite that edge like you used to. So you mentioned uh, that you wrote Titan, which is the uh, sister coaster to uh, Goliath at Magic Mountain, both made by Giambola and they're hyper coasters. Uh, and actually I think they're pretty decent hyper coasters. They were built in the, basically right around the year 2000. They've got pretty good layoffs. They've got good helixes and whatnot. Pretty, like you said, pretty good positive G-forces and whatnot. Was it the G-forces? Was it maybe the height just kind of being like a really tall coaster and kind of conquering that, the kind of, you were like, you're ready for anything else after is that kind of it yeah I, th- I think it was a combination of those two things specifically is just the, the sheer height of it that drop and then uh, uh the the g-forces i think were beyond what i had really experienced or at least remembered experiencing to that point and you start to gray out and get that tunnel vision yeah it's funny yeah. uh you know we we you know it is uh, uh do you i mean do you consider yourself a coaster enthusiast like uh, do you like keep track of any coasters you've been on or seek out and go to certain parts to ride certain coasters? I don't think I could call myself an enthusiast because I'm not as committed as as a, a true enthusiast would be. I mean, I, okay. I definitely ride them every opportunity I get, but I don't set destinations around amusement parks. Gotcha. Okay. I love to go on them. I, it's because I don't think I'm worthy. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, I, I don't I, I don't have the coaster count. I don't have, uh, you know, I don't have all that. So, well, we may not have my those coaster things. probably not as respectable as it should be. So <laughs> That can change, first of all. And But you may not have all those things regardless. I, I would bet that if you were to pull 100 enthusiasts uh they would all say that you have the right to call yourself an enthusiast because of what you do the, the, what you build for all of us so yeah no i, I appreciate your, your humbleness there though i was asking because you know I, we have the concept being enthusiasts of white whales we might have been to a certain park but we didn't get to go on a certain coaster because the weather or there was a maintenance issue or right you know, or having gone to the park before the coaster was built you hadn't been there in a while so okay so titan helped you kind of like get over the edge would you say how how did writing Titan and, you know, realizing that, okay, you're ready for anything now, like how did that impact your life? Was it simply a matter of you could go on any coaster after that or 
Were there any other impacts? You know, I'm sure there were beyond roller coasters, but it's probably hard to quantify that. But, uh, you know, there's a level of confidence when you overcome something that, that has some form of anxiety prior to doing right. it, right? I mean, like like you mentioned, you know, release of endorphins after that, your body's kind of trained that you can go seek out, you know, repeat that behavior because I uh, want some more of that good drug. Right, and that's, right. You know, there's there's a little bit of that positive reinforcement. So I'm sure that that, that did help, help me gain confidence. I guess that is beyond just uh, the fact that I was conquering the largest thing in the park. So it was like, okay, well, like, you know, whatever else is here, let's go do that too. I think it's probably reflected mostly in just the amusement industry and give me whatever else you got because I'm ready for it. Right. I love the attitude. And yeah, I, I, it's a good point about confidence. I, you know, I, I talk about a lot with a lot of the people I interview. If we pull back the curtain just a little more here, go beyond coasters and theme parks, because I know you're a big thrill seeker. So is there, what is the, maybe beyond riding a coaster, a Titan, et cetera, is there something you've done as a thrill seeker in general that's been like the craziest thing you've ever did that was like a huge confidence builder for you, you know, you know, anxiety fighter for you? Yeah, I um, I would I would have to say that snowboarding and, and skiing probably are the uh, the two things that have just given me the most amount of confidence. Just doing things that uh, you know, working your way up to doing something crazier and crazier wouldn't have thought you'd ever done before. You know, the first, you know, I, so I, I I grew up doing quite a bit of snowboarding and and just slowly progressing and hitting bigger and bigger jumps and uh, doing more and more in the backcountry and and things like that. You know, it's always you can always find something in nature that is going to give you anxiety. I mean, there's not a, there's not a True. level of, you, you can't max it out. You just can't. Uh, well, I'm sure some people can, but uh, I don't think I have that ability. Uh, there's always something that it's just like, there's risk involved. And, you know, when there's risk involved, it changes the math. Right. I guess your body kind of uh, gives you a little bit more when you, when you do something like that, when you overcome something like that, that has actual real world risk. I mean, a, a roller coaster, I think Alan said this, and this is how we roll a roller coaster is a, free, uh, a freebie. It's, it's fake risk. So, right. Uh, it's thrill without the real risk and right uh, so yeah it's a, it's a little bit easier in the real world to go out and, and expose yourself and really have the ability to things not to go well you know <laughs> right <laughs> right yeah especially the things you mentioned that's what i was saying at the beginning too is is coasters are a great way to, to flex this sort of concept of facing fear and anxiety because it they're largely without risk i mean they're, they're so safe compared right. to sort of certainly snowboarding and i don't snowboard or ski i've got friends that do and I, you know, like doing aerial tricks and jumps, like you said, and they're very dangerous because, and, and in a way you're getting a lot of the same kind of forces, you know, you're getting speed going down a hill, you're, you know, going, you know, if you're doing flips, you're going through inversions, you're experiencing G forces with turns and it's just like a coaster, but except you are literally off the rails, you're not attached to the rails. So right. yeah. So I, I can imagine, yeah, you doing that stuff from, it sounds like an early age. Yeah. That was a, a big way for you to conquer the conquer fear in a big way. That's awesome. Nice. Now I realize given the nature of working for RMC that you have, you know, been out on these coasters before they open to the public and they're still working out the kinks and bugs and, and, and things like that. So aside from that, you know, in terms of normal operation, uh, given the nature of the question I'm going to ask you, just based on normal operations, what would you say has been your craziest moment on a coaster? I think I'm going to have to go with X2. Uh, okay. Just because uh, when I first rode X2, it was actually 
the VIP event for Twisted Colossus 2015, I believe. So I had been on a, a fair bit of rides, several parts. X2 was just different. It had a few moments on it that I, that really resonated with me. When you start to when you start to move the coaches, you know your your seat position as you're going around. That that interaction um, with the ride layout was pretty interesting, and I think that you know that that could fall into being gimmicky, but it didn't. You know, I, I could see where you would start to pull back on the ride layout and let the seat position do more what the layout really should be doing. And that right. I, I think that X2 didn't do that. They they it, it really was a, a fun layout with some great elements. And then also here's the exclamation point. You know, this is just something <laughs> that can do a little something more with a so it, you know a, a breaking wave turn or something like that that Alan right. might throw on his layouts. <laughs> Yeah. I, I know what that feels like and I'm going on that and then my seat kind of rotates at the at the apex of that turn and it feels like it's trying to toss me out. You know, it's, right, just, it's right. just that added element that kind of made the element come alive for me a little bit more. So I, I'd say that's the, that's probably one that just like that that really resonated with me. Um just to, you know, you you can get jaded, you can start to think that, okay, yeah, well, I've I've ridden a few, so I I know there's nothing new that right. I've done at all. And that's that's a little bit that's a little bit eye opening when you you go and say, okay, all right, well, that's, that's definitely different. That's something that, that I haven't experienced before. Right. That's, that's a great answer. I love it. So I, I guess I got to ask, you alluded to this a little bit. So you were there for the Twisted Colossus VIP event. Was Alan there at the event as well? No. Um, so we had to split up because we, it just ended up that the, the media day event, Twisted Cyclone at Agawam uh, was on the same day. So Fred and I ended up at uh, Six Flags and then Scott, one of my coworkers and Alan ended up back East for uh for that I one see. so i see um which I was a little jealous of them because they rode that coaster like 30 times, you know, just over and over again. And we were at the VIP event. The, well, we thought it was the VIP event. There were I waited in line for like two and a half hours. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, there wow. were quite a few people there. It was fun. Don't get me wrong. My first ride on Twisted Colossus was with the, uh, the three brothers, the original builders of Colossus. Oh. So that was a pretty incredible experience just to be, especially with the lift hills, you know, on, Colossus. So on oh, the way yeah. up, you know, we're kind of having a conversation <laughs> about it. No, oh, here we go. And then uh, on your way up the lift hill the second time around, they're turning around looking at Fred and I, and they were just like, "You guys are crazy." This is insane. <laughs> and so it was just like, it was just, a, it was a really cool moment, you know, to uh, to have with these guys who you know built this thing in the seventies, you know, 70s, just yeah. such a yeah. long time ago, and they had since moved on to do a lot of park master planning, a lot of work with Legoland and and, uh, and other things. So it was just kind of, it was kind of fun to, to meet those guys first of all. And they were very kind and complimentary. I can imagine how some people might be offended by what we did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's but, awesome. Um, it's almost surreal. They, they were, that's they cool. were, they were great. It was a ton of fun. It was just, it was just a little packed for VIP day. Yeah, it sounds like it. Sounds like it. Going back to X two. So when you got back up to Idaho after that that event, did you have a chat with Alan? So say, hey, Alan. So I finally rode X two, and I mean, yeah. Did you? Oh yeah. No, I was, I was on the phone with him before, while I was. Oh okay. Yeah. Alan is a true uh, connoisseur, so I had to call him to ask him what the proper seat was. You know. Oh yeah. Make sure that yeah. I experienced the ride properly, and and you know I'll tell you uh, 
his answer was so precise. I, I don't recall now, oh, but it was, okay. I was gonna say, what is it? Yeah, yeah, it was yeah. exact row. It was an exact side and it was an exact uh, seat on that side. And he had specifications for the person sitting next to you. So <laughs> <laughs> a true engineer. I love it. A true engineer. Yes. He had a very detailed answer of how to, how to experience it properly. So that that's was, awesome. Uh, I love true, it. True Allen fashion right there. I love it. It's a whole other <laughs> level when you talk to the guy who designed the coaster, an engineer, a true engineer, and you know what, you know what his reasons. You're going to listen to him, and he's got reasons. You know he knows that coaster better than anyone. So that's that's great. I love it. I right. love it. My next question, I I'm going to give you the pass on this. That if it is an RMC coaster, you know don't it's it's fine. That's certainly understandable. But if it's not, that's fine too. But you know what would you say is your favorite coaster? Why don't we just take RMC off the board and I'll okay. give you my favorite non RMC? Sure, that's great. That's fair because that's boring to come on and say, um, <laughs> so, yeah, pleasing, right? Right? So, I I would have to say my favorite non-RMC coaster that I ever rode was I-305. Oh, so that's why, okay. So for our listeners, again, this is an audio podcast. When I mentioned I-305 earlier being a white whale, I was looking at Jay because we record, you know, with video just so we can see each other when we're doing the interviews. It's more personal that way. And Jake was smiling big time when I mentioned I-305. So now I know why. So I-305 is really high up there for you. Oh, I, it, it's a ton of fun. It, it's just aggressive, but yeah, yeah, directly aggressive, I guess. I, I don't know how to describe it quite right uh, to, to do it justice, but you know they they did a really good job with that that ride that layout. It's just it's real snappy, ton of fun. I I, I rode it when we were doing Twisted Timbers out there at the park. So oh I yeah, didn't, uh, I yeah. didn't experience it in its original form. I got the reprofiled version, right? Um, right. So I can only imagine what it used to run like. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, I've ridden it. Yeah. Next one again, probably pull RMC out of the equation. <laughs> what would you say is your least favorite coaster? Hmm. I'm not sure I want to answer this. Oh, yeah, I, I, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> I understand. We can, for you, we'll skip the question. I get it. I get it. So. I'll, I'll, and I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't, I haven't really had a, a bad experience on a roller coaster. I mean, it, it made, you know, I, there's, there's nothing that stands out to me as like, oh, that was awful or something like that. I mean, the worst case scenario is riding an old Woody and getting a little beat up, but you, right. you, you kind of know what's going to happen, right? So yeah, I definitely... I I definitely don't want to uh, be picking out my least favorite though. No, no, that's fine. I mean, for anyone else, if people have fun with the question, they're like, oh, I hate this or because of this, but I, yeah. I totally, I respect that mad respect right there. Absolutely. So let's go ahead and go into the, the, the second half of the interview here. And this gets more into the specifics of your experience working at RMC. You kind of went through in, in a very nice way in the beginning of the interview here, your, your journey and how you start off there after college at Office Max and then wound up at RMC, but, you know, I, I just, I'm curious if maybe, maybe there's some more gems here, you know, you went from working at that Office Max store to working for one of the premier coaster manufacturers in the world, being a fan of coasters, you know, whether, whether interesting parts to that journey, you know, you had that interview with, with Fred that right that, that same day and you got hired and like, were there moments where you couldn't believe this was happening or, you know, if you can even talk about that. Not really. There wasn't, there wasn't that sort of thing because when I came on, you know, RMC wasn't RMC at the time. Right. Um, right. So it was, 
Fred's a pretty interesting guy and kind of eccentric. So sometimes you're like, this guy for real, you know, there, there was a lot of, uh, <laughs> there was a lot of that, um, honestly, in the beginning right. where, and then, and then things just started going at, at such quick rate, just such a fast pace that it was just, uh, there was no time to think about anything. It was just constantly working on the next thing. You know, you look up, it was really cool to see that documentary that everybody put together, Taylor and Sarah and Scott. That was so cool just because we went to the premiere out here at Silverwood. Um, right. premiered it up here at the local park so that RMC could go, all, the, all the, the crew could go watch it. And it was just such a cool experience because I just started looking around and kind of talking to a few people. And it's like, I, we have never stopped to take a breath and look back. This is this is such a fun, nostalgic thing to, right. to sit here and watch because you're just, you're just on to the next, on to the next. I mean, this is fast moving industry. You got to perform for your clients. You know, you got to hit those opening dates. They're, they're, they've got huge marketing projects built around. Oh, yeah. So it's just like, you're, you're always focused on the next step. So it's hard for you to enjoy what you've already done. Right. So that right. that was just so fun to be able to step back and just look at like, oh man, look, you know, look at how far we've come in the past 12, 13 years. It's right. pretty incredible. And it was just, it was a ton of fun to uh, to do that. But yeah, like at the time while it was happening, it was, it's just one of those things that it just, you were so in the moment that, it, you know, it just didn't occur to me what we were doing was special. It was just, we were just, we were just trying to, to work and perform for our clients. Yeah, no, that's, that's a good point. And, you know, it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong the way you're describing things so when you went from office max to get the interview and get hired right on it, you like you pointed out rmc isn't or wasn't the company it is today it was just getting started so in a way you were working for a startup at the time and you said you know fred can be kind of crazy and wacky with his ideas maybe it was the reverse of what i was thinking was it for you early on there like oh gosh is this going to work out or I wonder how this is going to go is that sort of early on there oh absolutely <laughs> I, I'll be I'll be honest my in my uh, my job interview with Fred I mean I was like this guy's crazy this is never gonna last but you know it's gonna it'll probably be fun yeah <laughs> right that's awesome so that's yeah awesome. I, I I'll, I'll I'll willingly admit that that I did not have a ton of faith in in Fred at the time and so that's just that was just because I didn't know him yet um, right right of course but yeah I, I I got to come on and be a big part of the development of the uh, track uh, detailing and and the production process. You know how we how we build it and everything. So right. it was it was a once in a lifetime opportunity that I didn't realize I had at the time. Right. It took, it took looking back on it and you know what we had been through for me to really appreciate the opportunity that I had. And at the time, I was probably just stressed out and wasn't thinking about it as an opportunity. But then you look back at it and you realize that you know people will get put in positions like that. People don't. People People don't have this sort of thing come along very often. Yeah, it's a, so. like a once in a lifetime expert type experience or opportunity. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, yeah. you mentioned just real quick, just to touch upon the other thing you mentioned about the premiere of This Is How We Roll up there at Silverwood. Was seeing that film for the first time, obviously you were part of the film, you were interviewed in it and so forth, but seeing it all put together, like taking a step back from all this hard work at 13 years and all that, mm -hmm. was it an emotional experience for you watching the movie for the first time? It was just so fun. And the first time I watched it, I was just like, man, I forgot about that. Oh yeah. What if, you know, look at that. Oh man, I remember that. That was horrible. You know, just, you, <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going through, it's basically 10 years compressed into an hour and 20 minutes and you still go through the entire emotional roller coaster of the film. 
film. So right. um, you just relive it. But then, you know, afterwards, I've, I've seen it since then. I've showed family and it's just like, it's a, it, you know, you, you have a pretty big sense of pride when you get to, when you get to show some people that. And, you know, oh, yeah. I, I can't, I can't thank Taylor and Sarah and Scott enough for putting something like that together because, you know, just, it's pretty amazing that we can look back and, and basically have this, this memory lane on film that we can, we can watch and we can, we can show friends and family, but this snippet of 10 plus years of our lives of just this compressed, crazy time period where we were just moving and shaking. And yeah, it, it, it was definitely, it was definitely an, an amazing project to be able to be a part of. And it was also very shocking. Um, I had no idea I was going to be in the, I thought I was going to be like a snippet in the, in the oh. of, of, of <laughs> one spot of a film. I, they, most of the interview was done at one time and then like the, the motorcycle thing. Oh, oh. Things happen. <laughs> but it was just like it that was like their last day here, their second or third trip up oh, here. Really? They just were like, Hey, can we can we get a few shots? And I was like, Okay, I'll ride my boat. And then like an hour later of them telling me to do this or do that, I was like, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's so real. Right, yeah. we'll, see, we'll see how this turns out. <laughs> <laughs> It all worked out. Yeah. yeah. So you are uh, early on in the, the second season, this uh, this episode of uh, Coaster Challenge. But in our first season, we actually had uh, Taylor and Sarah on together, Coaster Studios. And then later on, we've also interviewed uh, Scott separately. And when we interviewed Taylor and Sarah, this is before the movie was released and all the details were. And so they were, you know, they were excited about it. They, they talked in general terms about it. They obviously they couldn't say a lot of things for obvious reasons, and but they you right. can tell the excitement on their voice on their voice in their voices and and scott we talked to after the movie was released and he's of course very proud of it and the work he did and helping with the filming right. and whatnot so yeah no it's it, and i yeah it is something you should be very proud of to, to have all that documented all that hard work you guys put in so this next question if i were to ask this question to anyone that's been on an rmc or you know especially enthusiasts you know people are gonna have different opinions they're gonna have different answers but i'm curious being you in the position you're in being there with the company almost from the start from the get-go what do you think it is about rmc's coasters that has created such fervent fandom among so many enthusiasts like you know it's it's if you guys aren't just another coaster company I mean, you have a huge following, understandably. So I'm mean, curious what your perspective is on that. Yeah, I think, well, first off, you got to have the product. You got to be able to back it up, right? I mean, that, that's where it started. We wouldn't have a following if it didn't start with us, with us putting out a pretty game-changing product uh, out in Texas. And that took the vision of Fred and Alan combined to pull that off. I mean, that's 100% on them. Alan is incredible at, uh, at ride layouts. He, he, can, he, can, he can feel the ride. You know, he knows exactly what it's going to be. You know, he'll tell me, hey, this area, on this ride nobody's talking about it during you know on the povs like trust me that's going to be the spot that people are talking about after they ride it you know things like that he, just, <laughs> he knows he's, he's a savant he's uh he's incredible at putting together just super fun uh, ride layouts and i'm i'm uh i think i just i'm more inclined to like his type of layouts it's much more airtime and and mm -hmm. less g-forces and i i don't enjoy positive g-forces as much as i enjoy negative so right you know i think that there's probably a little bit of that where a lot of people just enjoy the RMC hopping out of your seat you know we just don't have a ton of negatives on our ride at all I think there's a little bit of that and then the uh, the enthusiast community embraced us and I think one of the big things is, is we embrace them back I don't think 
think that's always the case for for some of them. So I think they right. really appreciated that that we appreciated their fandom. We we appreciated their. You know, we get all sorts of letters. Um, oh, I bet we yeah. get layouts. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's, it's super fun though. A lot of young kids draw pictures of roller coasters and send them to us. That's cool. Um, we try to we try to interact. We try to respond with them. We try to send something back to them that you know is special to them. You know, so that we can even if it's something you know dinky little whatever, it's still something that they wrote to a manufacturer and we sent them something in appreciation. Uh, you know, we do our best to keep up on that sort of thing. I'm not going to say that we uh, were amazing at it and, and respond <laughs> to everybody, but I think there's some of that too. The enthusiast community wants to be heard and I think we recognize them and listen as much as we can or at least, you know, let them know that we, we got people showing up at our facility all the time asking for tours um, and we are in the middle of nowhere in North Idaho, you know, it's like, <laughs> right. Right. This is this is a destination. You have to be you have to be on your way here. You know, this is not on the way to something. So, uh, <laughs> right. Uh, you just appreciate that somebody, you know, what you do for a living, somebody thinks that's so cool and fun that they're willing to spend their free time trying to come see you. Right. That's pretty incredible. Why wouldn't I give them the time of day? You know, <laughs> that's awesome. Love the attitude. That's great. Love the attitude. Yeah. Another thing, of course, that makes RMC unique, and I think this is part of your formula, not all of your coasters are this, but a lot of your coasters are your steel hybrid conversions. Some of them ground up, but a lot mm -hmm. of them conversions where you take, if you take a wooden coaster that you know, it's fallen into disrepair. It's not been maintained well. And if it's even possible, it would take a lot of effort and investment to bring it back up to where it's fun again and, and a ride people would love again. So, you know, you guys take it and you make it into something brand new and it's amazing, you know, different experience. So you guys take rides that people hate or come to hate because they get so rough and whatnot and make them something that people love and they can re-ride again and again. So I think that's another thing that makes RMC unique in that regard. With that in mind, with the hybrid coaster in mind and you know, converting a wood to a hybrid that, you know, you guys do. Do you think that taking a step back from being there working at RMC, do you think that there is a line in the sand where there are certain legendary wooden coasters that should really ideally never be converted to hybrids? You know, think coasters like the beast, the voyage, you know, what, what, what's your opinion on that? No, I don't. I, I don't think that there's untouchables. Um, okay. Okay. But I think it's gotta, you know, it's gotta be the right move, the right circumstances. There's a lot of money that goes into maintaining these rides. And but I, I know when we went out to uh, Cedar Point, you know, Mean Street, just people weren't <laughs> riding it like they used to. And, uh, uh, you know, so it, it just made sense, I think, for them to, you know, it was a good financial decision for them. I think in the end, they got to rejuvenate uh, an old ride. And, and, you know, it's our goal to hold on to the, as much of the history of that ride as possible. This is just a, this is, this is just a part of the life of that ride. I mean, no ride's going to last forever. So eventually something's going to happen to it. So maybe, you know, if RMC can breathe new life into something, that's pretty cool too. People get to, people get to talk about how they wrote it before the conversion, after the conversion. People got that credit that other people can't get anymore. So that's, you know, it becomes a little bit more of a, a rarefied thing that I wrote it back before that or back when. Right. I think, I think there's a lot of fun to be had there. You know, I don't think anybody thinks that all wooden coasters are going to last forever. And, you know, rather than tearing them down, they're, they're such a iconic view in the, in the park. You know, it's, it's, there's not a lot of diversity in the in the steel coaster look right it just you know it, it's it's efficiency it's steel columns it's, it's track uh so it's nice that you have that 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 different look in the park and if we can smooth that out and make it more family friendly not even family friendly it's still thrill but the ridership goes up if the ride's smoother i mean i, I love that 
I love that my my parents can ride with my kids on these rides and, and do it over and over again. Let's be real. The steel coasters are just visually intimidating to young kids. There is that fear factor yeah. we talked about earlier. And for whatever reason, a wooden structure is just much more inviting and warmer for, for kids to, to jump on. It, just, it, it doesn't scare them as much. And then if they can kind of get tricked into jumping on an RMC um, <laughs> because it looks all nice and, and tame and then they ride it, you know, maybe we can help them overcome that fear because they just rode a coaster that went upside down, even though they didn't know it was going to. <laughs> hey, that wasn't so bad. You were recently promoted, and by the way, congratulations, uh, from being Director of Design and Engineering to Chief Operating Officer. Uh, what challenges are you facing in your new role? How are things different for you? You know, I'm just dealing with a lot more processes throughout the entire company. You know, I'm dealing with more of the business side. Um, it's a ton of fun because it's just another challenge in my life, learning more th- uh, more skills, uh, working with more people. Um, it's hard to pull back. Um, it's easy to stay into in, in an area where you feel safe and secure. I don't know. I, I, the way I kind of look at if, if I'm feeling totally safe and secure in my life, I'm probably not growing as much as I could be. Right. Um, and I always want to, I always want to try to push myself to get better and be better. And uh, I'm lucky enough to be part of a, a great family-run company that we, we really invest in our people. It's our goal to raise people up here. We want everybody to to get better. We want to make their lives better. You know, that, you know, tons of our employees I've, I've known for ten plus years because we we hold on to people because we nice. know, we really we really do care about them. We know, you know our kids play baseball together you know things like that it's just it's really it's really fun when you can uh, when you can be a part of a company where everybody just is valued and and is treated well and you know there can always be improvements there and we're always looking for that you know we're, we're always just trying to push the envelope and you know we're not we're not going to be a google we want to slides in the office probably but uh you know we we, we want to be progressive in the office in the in the manufacturing facility on the road we want to we want to find ways to uh to take care of the people who work here is None of this is possible without them. We have an incredible crew from the top to the bottom and all different avenues of, of RMC. You couldn't do this without great people. Everybody cares. Everybody cares about this place. I've never worked somewhere where all the employees care so much about the success of the company. You know, there's there's really, nobody ever says that's not my job. You know, if something needs to get done, it gets done. We, we had schedule challenges on stunt pilot out here, which is a smaller Raptor model, our standard Raptor model that we put in out at Silverwood. We had issues and, you know, we had several, the engineering staff, the administrative staff out uh, on site in October, hoping to set rebar cages because we needed to pour concrete the next day because we had mm-hmm. a cold front coming in. So we had to accelerate, you know, and we just, all right, drop what you're doing, team. We got to do this. This is what matters now. There's a lot of places I think where you're not going to have people almost excited to go do that too. Because, you know, a lot of these people haven't had the opportunity to be on site or see that construction side of things. And the guys who are doing the construction appreciate the help and see, okay, they're willing to come out here in their nice shoes or whatever, you know, their fancy shoes and come and get them dirty and, and help us out on, on site. I think that goes a long ways toward uh, the relationship of the whole team from the top to the bottom. So that's what I really enjoy is being able to be a, uh, a part of the company and, and and be able to affect people's lives for in a positive way as much as we can. And uh, it's, a, it's a new challenge on the business side of things, but uh, it's super fun. I'm excited where we're headed. That's awesome. You mentioned, you know, in your changing your role that, you know, it's you embraced it and you, you know, you're able to step outside your comfort zone and, and so forth, where, you know, a lot of people have had challenges doing that. Do you think if we take a step back from that, that your ability, your thrill, thrill seeking and, you know, conquering fear, you know, even at young age that has, has enabled you to, to kind of push forward in a career like that and take those, you know, stepping outside your comfort zone? Do you think that maybe relate? Oh, absolutely. You know, the, the, the longer you go without challenging yourself or, or, 
trying to conquer a fear, the more that fear grabs hold of you and and locks you up, right? So, I mean, that's one, that's step one. You have to have the courage to step outside your comfort zone, which is difficult. It, right. it just is. But I've also had, you know, some great mentors in my life. I definitely haven't done it alone. I've been encouraged. I've been pushed at times. And it takes people in your life who care about you enough um, to invest in you to do that. I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without Fred and Alan and several others really encouraging me, pushing me and pushing me beyond what I thought I was capable of, which that leads to confidence and, and the courage to overcome just leads to more confidence. And then you you get to a point where you, you're able to do more and more just beyond what you ever would have thought you could do. Very appreciative of the people in my life who have really helped me out. I mean, I haven't talked about it all in this interview, but my, uh, you know, my, my family, my, my parents, you know, I've, I've got a great, uh, great foundation for my folks that uh, awesome. have helped raise me up. And, you know, I know that I have somebody that I can always depend on and no matter how bad I screw up, they're still going to love me. Well, hopefully I haven't, I haven't <laughs> that line yet. So. <laughs> hopefully you don't have to find uh, that out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard to get anywhere in your life, in life by yourself. You know, it takes training. It takes experience. We should be standing on the shoulders of those who came before us as much as we can. Uh, Absolutely. Why, why recreate things? Can rethink think things, sure, but build upon a foundation that already exists. We already know it's strong. So yeah. What I try to do as much as possible is be a sponge. You never know how long you're going to uh, be around some of these incredible people. Don't take it for granted. Yeah, absolutely. I love it. I love it. A, a, one of my friends, uh, he was at the uh, the Silverwood premiere, got invited for, for This Is How We Roll and went to the factory and so forth. And he was messaging me. He's like, this is the future, man. This is the future. And he's telling me about this 208 tracks. So I guess you guys were telling us. So tell, tell us, because I've not, you know, I could have asked him about it, but I, I was busy working, whatever. And I'm going to hear it from the source here. Tell us and our audience about the 208 track. What is it? How is it going to change the landscape for the coasters that you guys create? Yeah, you know, we love to reprofile coasters, but those are a large budget project. It's essentially a new ride. There's a lot of wooden coasters out there that, you know, need a little help. Either there's a lot of small parts with a smaller wooden coaster and they're having trouble maintaining it. So our 208 product is essentially similar to our iBox track. Some few subtle differences that allow parts to replace portions of their wooden coaster or all of it at, if, if they'd prefer to. But basically we could phase out placing some tracks. So if they have specific difficult areas, we could uh, we could swap out sections. We've, we've done this at Silverwood. They've got uh, some of our 208 tracks they've had for the past year on their coasters and we're doing some more of it for them right now. Basically we're, we're, we're slowly over time phasing out the, the wooden track stat. It's an unpainted weathering steel product. So it, it blends pretty well with the existing mm. structure. No need to upgrade your mechanics systems or your train. So it's a, it's just a more sustainable track system that can go in place where they don't have to bite off that giant all at once reprofile product. So, you know, and we're, we're not coming out and reprofiling. We're essentially matching what exists. We'll smooth it out a little bit. You know, we, we still run it through our profiles, but we're going out and we're surveying the existing rails and siding off on a length or a location to tie in and tie out of the existing wood stack and swapping it out. Price points lower. We can address specific problem areas. We don't have to reprofile. We don't have to upgrade mechanical systems. We don't have to change your train. And obviously, you know, there's corners on some coasters where they're replacing at least top two layers every other year. It's just a lot of money going into them. So, uh, you know, the track's going to last significantly longer. The price point's actually, you know, relatively close to replacing a full uh, a full track stack repair. Wow. Uh, the idea is, you know, working with some of the, getting, getting into some of these other parks. I know that some people right now are shuddering at the thought of us destroying all the wooden coasters out there. Uh, I get that. <laughs> 
But the other side of it is, is some of these parks are able to maintain their wooden coasters at a cheaper price point. You know, it means that they have more capital, CapEx investment that they can go out and do, expand the park in more areas. It, it may not be everybody's dream and it's probably not right for every ride, but there's definitely a, a lot of rides out there that, that this is feedback we're getting from, from other customers as well. You know, they're, they're, people are looking for this product. So yeah, we, we kind of slow rolled it out throughout the pandemic, took, took the opportunity to, to do some work up there at Silverwood since they're 10 minutes down the road. Things went really well, and I think we'll have about 2,000 feet in total out there on their two wooden coasters now. Hopefully, just keep on going and finish it out. Nice. That's awesome. Is the chill weight product, like for someone like me, is it where if a customer goes with that on a traditional wooden coaster, that it's going to feel more like a regular wooden coaster still? Is that kind of what you're saying? Same trains? and Yeah, it's still going to be, I don't want to, rough isn't the right word, but it's still going to ride like a steel coaster it's still going to be on steel wheels it's still not going to have suspension it's still going to have okay the track gauge is still can't be tightened up and preload the guide wheels like you can with a suspension coaster so it's still going to have a little bit of that searching from left to right you know so it doesn't lose all of the essence um, of a wooden coaster and honestly i don't know how much of the general public even notice it when they go over it um, okay as they're riding when they when they hit that section i think that they probably something was different there you know that it'll stand out to them that it's smoother, but I don't think that you would surprise them if you told them now you were on an all steel rail there for a little bit. Yeah, it's not like you're full on changing the ride, the complete essence of the ride. You're just, you're making it a little bit more sustainable, a little bit easier to manage for the park. Yeah, so yeah, it's it's not a full on replacement as far as that goes. So I I do believe it keeps the essence of of a wooden coaster for the most part. I'm sure that uh, there will be people out there who disagree for sure. I, and I fully understand. I, I, I fully understand that perspective as well. And, and you know, earlier when I said there's not a line in the sand, you know, I mean, that's my personal opinion. Right. I, no, I, I totally opinion. realize yeah. that there are uh, there are people who are going to be staunch against that. And there's going to be parks who just, you know, you know right. I have a legendary wooden coaster. We're going to keep it. We're going to maintain it. It's worth it. You know, and, and right. there's nothing wrong with that. Right. I enjoy wooden coasters just as much as anybody else. Yeah. Okay. That's great. And as someone who loves wooden coasters, I think... I think it's great that you guys are offering a product that allows a coaster to be more or less still like a traditional wooden coaster, but at a cheaper price point in terms of maintenance and upkeep. And that's outstanding. Yeah. So that, I'm excited about, uh, you know, getting on some coasters like this. I've actually never been to Silverwood, but it's one of those parks that's mm-hmm. on my list to eventually get to. And yeah, for sure. And hopefully when I go up there, I can hopefully stop by and, and check out facilities as well. And like so many of my friends have already done, as you mentioned earlier. Well, so and, and- you know, another side note on that real quick is, is we don't want Son of Beast happening again. We, you yeah. know, if we can, if we can save a coaster rather than lose a coaster, you know, maybe this is an okay compromise, even for those uh, diehard tours. As soon as you put steel on, it's no longer a wooden coaster. That's, that's fine, but a coaster is better than no coaster. So I agree. Yes. Yeah. Someone who rode Son of Beast opening year, mm-hmm. it's, it's unfortunate. That's it. That's a, a cautionary tale of, you know, of how things may be not going the way they should, ideally. And that's how life goes sometimes. We, and, we, and, and the thing we can all do from that, you know, whether it be Kings Island, the park that the, the, the coaster was at, or just the, the, you know, amusement park industry, theme park industry in general, is just to all learn how to do things better and, and whatnot. That's how we can do things. Speaking of making coasters better, I want, want to ask you about a rumor that's been circulating. I'll, you know, of course, there's all sorts of rumors that circulate around. and Some have more validity than others. But, you know, as you mentioned, you know, Fred, who founded RMC, you know, he, he has these crazy ideas and, and he makes them happen. So there have been rumors circulating uh, in, in the 
enthusiast community that RMC could actually retrofit existing coasters that are steel coasters. They're, these are not wooden coasters being converted to hybrids or being upgraded. These are just full out already all steel coasters that RMC could improve mm-hmm. upon. Is this something that's actually there's substantiated? Is this something you guys potentially could do? You've thought about or? Yeah, we yeah we've we've actually had some discussions uh, about this. Hmm. Obviously, it's, it's quite a bit. It's going to be uh, different than a wooden hybrid style takeover at that point. This is you're dealing with a lot less structure. You're dealing with a more fixed layout, so it it cuts down on some of the options a little bit. But uh, definitely a possibility, and there seems to be some interest out there in the market. Huh. So you know we've we've explored it a little bit. You know, there's nothing imminent here. Okay, yeah, of course <laughs> I understand you can't go into detail. Thanks for confirming of the possibility. And yeah, I mean we are seeing you know steel coasters have been around since you know basically the the technically the 50s. You know Matterhorn being the first one. Uh-huh. Modern you know tubes are steel track, but you know there was a, especially since the 70s and 80s that's where they really started to get arrow went crazy and etc. Um, you know a lot of these coasters, whether it be in the arrows case, arrow doesn't exist anymore. You can't get the spare parts, can't can't replace the track so easily. Right. You know they're just getting older and some of them are getting really rough. And and, and we talked about Viper earlier. Viper can be a little rough in Magic Mountain. So I, I definitely you know and again I don't I'm not asking you to go into detail, but I can see where you guys could potentially do something because like wooden coasters that get rough and are hard to maintain. This same thing is happening with steel coasters over time. I get it. Last general question here. We ask this of all our guests. Uh, you know, we've talked to, especially here in the first half about fear and how concrete here can help you and even kind of reflected on in the talking about RMC specifically, how perhaps you being able to conquer fear and, and getting past that has helped you in your career as well. Do you have any final advice you can give those that are listening, people that are maybe struggling to, to conquer anxiety and fear and move forward in life? Yeah, um, nobody else is going to do it for you and it's not going to be easy. It's going to be uncomfortable, but in the end, it's going to be better. I mean, I think about that. I- anytime you, you ride a ride, I mean, we talked about conquering our own fear earlier. The, the, the fear in your mind can be debilitating, but as soon as you go through that actual physical ride, you get off and you realize that you had built it up so much stronger in your mind. But that's also why you're the only one that can make that change. So it, you know, it's going to take a leap of faith to go do something outside your comfort zone. But if, if you don't make that leap, fear's also fears of growth. It'll continue to grow inside of you. It'll take more things away from you if you let it. That's the hard truth of it, though. You're the only one that can make that change. Doesn't mean people won't support you through it, but you're the one who has to make that hard decision to be courageous. It's easy to be fearful. It's easy to sit back and try to be safe, but not healthy and I don't believe it's real human nature you know I mean we were I think right. we were really made to take risks and go try to do new, th- uh, new things but you know we live in we live in pretty comfortable times here in America right. really it's, it's almost like uh, uh, the mind and the body are, are, are learning how to adapt different lifestyle than humans were used to for a long time right. so you just gotta go you gotta, you right. gotta do it there's no easy way out <laughs> yeah yeah like yeah no, absolutely I, that's good advice I'll add on to that is like you said, it's not easy. You got to deal with it yourself. Absolutely. Great advice. On the flip side, it may not be easy. Saying goes where there's no risk, there's no reward. With how hard it can be to face fear, you there can be a huge reward oftentimes for facing it and, and you know, sort of surmounting whatever your challenges and your, your devils are, your, your limitations are. So absolutely. But thank you for sharing that. So last thing, again, a lot of our audience knows who you are, but just, you know, we ask all our guests to finish off, you know, share where people can find you or, you know, if it's mainly RMC's website if you want to share that if there's any social yeah. media you want to share you know however open you want to be with with uh you know fans of rmc please share away sure rocky mountain construction.com 
MPN, the mountain is abbreviated. That's our, that's our website. Go check it out. We are always trying to put up new products that are coming out and keep people updated on our current projects. We have the RNC Facebook page as well. That's a great place to go. And, you know, we put job postings on these. So if anybody's ever wanted to join our team, that's the first place to look is our Facebook page and our website. If you really want an underwhelming Twitter follow, RMC underscore Jake on Twitter, I will occasionally tweet something. It will be benign or I'll retweet something. That's about as exciting as it gets. So that's, that's about where you can find us. Awesome. Well, thank you, Jake. I appreciate sharing that. And thanks for taking the time. I know with how busy you are, starting to see, especially your new role and all the projects you guys have going on, I appreciate you taking the time to speak with us today. And, and thank you so much. Definitely. Thank you. I, I really believe in your guys' cause. And I think you've got an incredible story. And I'm glad to be able to uh, come on and be, and be a part of it. Thank you. We really appreciate that. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Jake. That was a really awesome story, Jen. Yeah, another one of those. He he started off with uh, kind of as the underdog and ends up coming out on top. Yeah, what an incredible story, especially when it was also in the documentary from This Is How We Roll was that Jake stumbled upon this job when uh, Fred's daughter had went into an office max and was looking for a new computer because she had to learn how to do, how to do CAD. And I'd done AutoCAD over in college back in the day because my major was I wanted to be an architect and I had to learn all these different type of softwares. And Jake just so happened to be working for Office Max and then just happened to stumble upon this opportunity and all of a sudden, boom, all of a sudden he landed a great job over at Rocky Mountain Construction and now he's the chief operating officer. So it really shows guys that you can start at the bottom and work your way up. It's like what Lee Cockrell said back in season one, you gotta have a can-do attitude and you got to have a positive one right that's all that comes out of it yeah so i would tell you guys you can do pretty much do anything you want as long as you have a a can-do attitude b a positive attitude and c treating people with dignity and respect if you have those three key things you should succeed well in life i go if you don't have those three things your road to success is limited but it was a really fantastic episode i really want to thank jake for coming on and taking the time to spend time with all of us here today but justin how can they find us here on social media if you enjoyed today's episode be sure to like and subscribe wherever you get your podcast and if you want to see more from us we upload every friday and check us out on facebook instagram twitter youtube all at coaster challenge links in the description thank you justin yes guys make sure to hit that subscribe button and make sure to subscribe to all our social media pages we're pretty much on every social media site you can think of you can also look back in our show notes down below with all the links to our social media platforms you also might want to check out our website at coaster challenge us USA.com and check out our store. We sell a lot of incredible merchandise and any proceeds from the sales goes to charity at the end of every year. And we just want to thank you guys. We are really kicking off season two with a great start and we've got another incredible episode for you guys next week. But until then, this is David Cantu. This is Jenna Gazelle. We'll see you next week right here on Coaster Challenge.